You're listening to The Nature of Things. This episode was originally recorded July 1st, 1993. At a time in late July, when, as Aldo Leopold put it, the bird chorus runs out of breath. Not a sharp break, the woods full of sound one morning and silent the next. And the woods is never really silent, not with blue jays, crows, and cardinals ever present. And with that daytime perpetual motion machine, the red-eyed vireo lingering in the treetops. Still, each morning in July may see one local musician, its need for territorial proclamations over for the year, taking a rest. From our standpoint, it amounts to an eight to nine months rest. So each year, come July, I begin to savor every early morning woodland symphony, eager to catch every whistle and grace note. I've already mentioned the vireo. Its sibilant carol drifts down from the forest canopy, as monotonous and persistent as the rustle of the leaves. Anyone who is fortunate enough to catch sight of the author probing energetically among the leaves in search of insects will be ready to declare a miracle. There is no way, you'll say, that bird can sing nonstop and catch a meal at the same time. Watch it for a while, and you may find yourself no closer to the answer. While you are pondering, a wood thrush begins to rehearse his flute obligato. It has full voice resonance and purity of tone, and it reverberates in a way that the reedy, lispy Virio's carol could never do. The wood thrush seems convinced that practice makes perfect. It repeats its phrases thoughtfully, adding trills and grace notes at strategic points, allowing sufficient time between to savor and to evaluate. This is all preparation for the evening vespers, which he alone, or is it she, will offer. After the wood thrush, all other performances are anticlimactic, but the clipped adept phrases of the red start are noteworthy, not so much for their musicality as for the promise they offer of a view of the songster himself. His song is a classic warbler repertory. In color, uh, he puts one in mind of a tiny oriole dressed in tuxedo rather than flaming formal sports jacket. Yesterday, I heard no red starts in their favorite haunts, just south of the Faust Wildflower Garden. Is he through performing us so soon? There's nothing musical about the next call to catch our attention. It shatters the reverent calm of the concert hall like a gong in a church service. But it is welcome for what it may provide, a brief glimpse of the flamboyant, pileated woodpecker. Huge by songbird standards, strident and self-assured, the pileated comes on like a protester who is never satisfied by what he finds. He's grand all the same. As the pileated grows silent for a moment, we become aware of a more subdued song which for musicality has few peers in the forest community. The rose-breasted grosbeak, which A.A. A. Allen characterized as a sweet-voiced robin, is the Julie Andrews of, car of carolers, perfect diction, bell-like clarity. But he seems to suffer from the same malady as Alice's white rabbit. He has to hurry. I hope he stays long enough for us to view his elegance. Again, a moment for reflection before a movement in the flat beside the brook catches my eye. Chipmunk, I think, looking away, but the brown form suddenly flies to the lower branches of a sapling hemlock, and I catch the nasal warning note that is all I need to identify a veery. Perhaps, if we wait, he will offer a brief passage of his amazing helical serenade. 
It's a glissando I, which no flutist could hope to duplicate. There it is. What luck. For a moment, only the virio's call is evident. But there are other songsters still offering snatches of, of their arias. Scarlet Tanager, buzzy, rapid, robin-like. Flicker, monotonous roll. Ovenbird, mysteriously pervasive and insistent, as its crescendo bills. <clears throat> there are more, but we have no time for them on this day. If you want to hear them live, I urge you to visit the Woodland Concert Hall just after sunup or before sundown. But hurry, the musicians are preparing for a change of venue. Well, I have just enough time left to remind you that Rice Creek Field Station is open on weekends uh, from now on until October, on Saturdays from 9 to 3, and on Sunday afternoons starting at 1 o'clock. Uh, I just urge you to go out and enjoy the programs that Paul Arenas is offering and also just enjoy the the ambience of Rice Creek Field Station at this time of the year. Well, that's all I have for today. This is John Weeks saying thanks for listening. Tune in next week, and keep it natural. <laughs>